Have you ever lost everything following a relationship breakdown or divorce? Well, if this relates to you or someone you know, then you need to listen for the next 25 minutes. We are going to make conversations about divorce count. Welcome to Making Conversations Count, the podcast hosted by me, Wendy Harris, best-selling author and telephone trainer of over 30 years. We bring you business leaders who share honest conversations that have created a turning point in their life and career and what happened next. And today I have got Niraj Kapoor. Now, Niraj is a a sales trainer with lots of experience under his belt. And I've invited him today to join us to share his pivotal conversation. What's the weather like where you are today? In Northern Ireland, the roads are still frozen. And one thing I love doing every morning is going for a walk, but I end up almost ice skating or falling. I've fallen twice my backside in the last week because it's just ice. It literally, it's not even pleasant snow. It's just icy. It's very quiet. And Um, I tend to be the only person walking anywhere at the moment. And I say walking, I mean, taking small baby steps, really. So there's no sort of selfie videos on the ice at the moment. You've got to concentrate. Uh, No, that's a bit risky. I did shoot one actually outside Starbucks two days ago, it's about time management because there was 24, 25 cars outside Starbucks. I went inside to get a, a latte. I was served within 90 seconds. I said, do you mind if I ask what the queue time is? He goes, it's about 20 minutes. I said, okay, these people are waiting 20 minutes in a the queue. There's 25 cars. I'm getting served 90 seconds. And I shot a video just off the cuff. But when you shoot something off the cuff, it takes about five attempts. <laughs> and, the queue's, and the queue's going down and down. And, oh God. So I'm going to speak faster and faster. So yeah, I, a lot of the videos I do are prepared very carefully, but some of them I just do off the cuff because I think of an idea in that moment. I'm with you on the video thing. I'm only just starting to embrace it a little bit. I've got shot videos that are all captioned up and proper. But then there are moments when just doing a text post is just not going to really do it. When I'm trying to communicate with somebody, instead of sending an email, I'll send them a voice message. Because I think it's really important to get that narrative across and the point across. And of course, you can only really capture that on video. I love watching where you do things in was it uh, one of the supermarkets car park about cucumbers yeah a little car park i'm working away about 10 o'clock in the morning my father comes into my room saying i gotta speak to you something really important come up i said sure dad what is he goes i need cucumbers i'm like okay i go no no i need cucumbers now i'm having an early lunch can you go get them i'm like cucumbers why now he goes i just need them and i said dad cucumbers is 95 percent water have a glass of water you'll be okay and he goes no i need these i said but why he says well because little do these special cucumbers they're really sweet they're actually delicious and crunchy and i've never had them before and i went and got it during my morning routine it just took up an hour of my day by the time i went there queued came home but it was important to my father so the message of that was always understand your customers why because mm-hmm. I was so annoyed at being interrupted, I should have asked why in the first place. So it took me a while to ask that because I'm like, seriously, that's not urgent. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that was one of those made up videos. Literally at the last second, I thought, you know what, there must be a story here. But personally, I prefer planning things because when you plan things in advance, you get you, you often get them done the takes then. But if you don't plan it, Wendy, it takes several takes to get right. I think that's really important. I've started to adopt an acronym around talk. Take your time, ask the right questions, listen then to what's been saying and keep trying. 
Never give up. 100% agree. For what you do in life and business, having those conversations is really important, isn't it? The biggest mistake I see people making, Wendy, is they go, here's my product, here's how I can help you. But what they should be asking is, what challenges are you having right now? And how can I help you solve them? It's a very different way of doing business. It takes much longer. It takes more time. And that's why people don't do it. And I had a very interesting conversation with my client on Monday. We just had a kickstart to the year. How's he getting on? And he sent me, he shared me his screen on Zoom. And he showed me the spam messages he was getting from other sales trainers, one or two of whom I actually knew. And they all said the same thing. Hi, I'm an award-winning trainer. Here's what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Let's have a coffee meeting. Next person. Hi, I'm an award-winning trainer. I like the term to build relationships. That's the seat of my pants. That is everything that in my being is around that. And like you, sort of asking people for people what their challenges are, can even that can still feel a little bit too upfront and personal when you've only just met. My take on that is ask them, how do you do this already? If they think that they're doing it, it will give you a level of understanding as to how serious they're taking it or how much effort is going into it so that you can build on that to be able to help them in the right time. And I think it's a much more flowing conversation that you have if you put what they're doing and how they're doing it up front and centre. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. You, you know, people don't understand this unless you're working for a big corporate or a massive brand name. People buy people they like and trust. You don't have to love the person. You know, if I look at my customers, I would say about two thirds of them love me, but only a third of them like me. (laughs) They never invite me to golf days. They never invite me to parties. They never invite me to anything, but they know I have their best interests at heart Mm -hmm. and they know I share lots of values. Your customers don't have to love you, but they have to like you and they have to respect you and they really have to trust you. And that's really important. And if people came more from a place of serving rather than selling, it would be so much easier in business. I think that's really important that once you start to serve, the rest kind of just falls into place automatically, doesn't it? It's a conversation I've been having a lot recently is that lots of people focus on closing business and how to close the business. And yes, it's a really important part of the process. And for me, my specialty is if you've got 10 customers that you want to close business with, that you know will buy your product, if you start that conversation badly, all 10 will not buy. If you start that conversation in a really good and positive way, putting them first and serving what they need and asking how they do things and taking the time, then the chances are that very quickly you'll have two new clients and longer term, you should convert at least eight because you're never going to serve everybody. Yeah. It's very, very important to do that. So every now and again, it doesn't happen very often, but somebody will put a post on LinkedIn saying, I'm looking for a sales trainer. Who can you recommend? And every man and his dog applies for this. I <laughs> mean, literally, oh, hire me, hire me, hire me. Sadly, a lot of people who do this just do it for attention. A lot of companies who do this just do it because it soothes their ego. And many people do it so they can get more LinkedIn connections. A lot of people don't do it out of genuine reasons, sadly. But every now and again, somebody will be genuine and I'll win that business. And I always ask people when I win business, what did I do to win that? Because it's very important to know what your success is and what your failures are. And they often say, now, you're the only person who didn't sell. Everybody else was saying, here's me, here's me, here's what I can do. But what you did was you said, well, I can't sell you anything because I don't know what you want. So if you can let me know what your three biggest challenges are, I'll do everything I can to help you. We may not even be the right fit. And if we're not, I'll happily recommend you to somebody else. And that's a very different approach to all my competitors 
Every single one was like, here's me spamming them full of information, using LinkedIn premium, sending proposals without even having a discussion. It's a very, very different way of doing business, Wendy. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of things that go on on LinkedIn that creep me out. I have to say, in the main, I love LinkedIn. It's a brilliant platform and it's a great place to start conversations with people. And one of my famous sayings is you never know where a conversation will lead. <laughs> True, but at the same time, I've become much tougher in having conversations with people. So when people say to me, look, I'd like to have a half hour synergy session with you or networking session with you, I used to say yes. And I never got any work done. And majority of the time it led to nowhere. So I'm actually much more careful. Yes. And I'll often say to somebody, just send me an agenda. If I don't know you, just send me an agenda. And some people say, why? And I say, well, because if I can do something in five minutes over a phone call, I'd rather do that than half an hour uh, over Zoom. Yes. Um, or second of all, it gets rid of the time wasters. And so many people don't send me agendas, in which case it's like, okay, that's good. I don't spend my time with that person. <laughs> I think you've perhaps seen my article that I did before Christmas, which was how productive are you with your follow-ups on Zoom versus the phone? And it's like your time management thing. You could queue for a coffee or just go straight in and pick one up. If you book out your diary for half an hour to do a follow-up, chances are you'll spend 25 minutes just talking about anything and everything. And the last five minutes talking about what the reason for that meeting was. Whereas if you just picked up the phone, it would take you five minutes it's not that I'm not for small talk or anything like that, but the preamble is cut right down. And then you don't feel guilty that you want to get it over and done with because you've still got 25 minutes in the diary to it. You know, five minutes in half an hour, that's six people that you could potentially be touching and, and making an impact on. So sometimes processes get in people's way, don't they, to having really good conversations. I'm always surprised how many people are genuinely scared of picking up the phone. A number of people who have no idea what to say on the phone. They just hide behind email. And I keep saying email is not a strategy. Email is good to do, of course, but it, it cannot be your only strategy. If it is, you don't have a business. If it is, you're not going to succeed. You're only going to go to a certain extent with email. You've got to pick up the phone. You've got to be attending networking events. You've got to be thinking of multiple levels of income, which is the one thing I think we've really learned from the whole COVID situation. You've got to have different levels of income. So You've got to be thinking of a podcast for visibility. You know, you've got to be thinking of giving talks on Zoom, running master classes. There's so many things you should be doing. It's not just one thing anymore. Because yeah, if that one thing true. goes, you're in serious trouble. Yeah. That was my journey, I think, in 2020 was nobody was at the end of the phone because they were all sent home. Communications weren't in place. Businesses had to restructure how they were operating. They were looking at survival before they could even go to the point of thrive again. So, of course, new business activity was really cut back. It taught me that I only had one revenue stream. So I sat and thought, right, what can I do? It was simple. All the things that I've really wanted to do, write a book, launch a podcast, get my online training sorted. <laughs> you know, it, was a, it was an incredible year for rebranding, new website. In actual fact, it was like a hidden blessing. But you're right. You can't rely on just one thing. The book gives you an insight to who I am, like your books give an insight into who you are and, and gives them an opportunity to see whether that's a good fit without having a conversation. But all the whilst that they're reading your story and you're educating them, you're having the conversation. It's making it count, isn't it? There's a lot to be said for 
bringing lots of different marketing strategies and conversational strategies. I think this is where the social selling really does play a big part, doesn't it? You've got to be talking to people and you can also understand people's problems so much easier when you talk to them. And when you ask them by email, it can sometimes sound intrusive to people (laughs) and people often don't reply by email, but over the phone or over Zoom, it's so much easier. People will open up to you much more Mm -hmm. and they're more likely to discuss things with you and talk to you more about the problems. But in email, they're not going to get it into you. They don't know you that well. Why would they? So I often just find out people's pain points more. I discover more quicker over the phone. I also build better relationships with my clients. My clients, every single one of them, you know, none of them say to me, you know what, Niraj, I wish I had more email. <laughs> Nobody, none no. of them say that. <laughs> Nobody says, God, I just wish my phone was ping more, ping more. No, no. They're happy to talk to people on the phone. Most business owners I speak to are happy to have conversations over the phone or over Zoom. And everybody Everybody is dying to get back to face-to-face again. Whenever that might be in 2021, we don't know. But the first event I'm meant to be speaking at this year is April. And I'm really worried it's going to be postponed again. (laughs) It was postponed from last June. But I can see that happening, certainly, you know. It's about staying realistic as to how long this situation is going to last, isn't it? That, you know, we've got to put health before wealth. And whilst it's, you know, I'm dearly missing hugging anybody other than my husband and my daughter at the moment, Mm -hmm. it is for our future. It's safeguarding our future to be able to pick up again, isn't it? It is. At least your daughter hugs you. Mine's all grown up now, so she's too embarrassed to hug me. So (laughs) (laughs) that's very good. At least you get hugs from your daughter. We've got this new game going on where she hides behind doors to literally petrify her dad (laughs) by going boo and last night we were quite mean he was upstairs in the bedroom and she was in her bedroom and I went up went into the bathroom and he was still there and I went and hid behind her bedroom door (laughs) and I said get your dad he opened the door and I was behind it and he was like what playing around thinking that she was gonna sort of scare him and then I just went (laughs) and honestly he held his chest for ages there are different ways of having a good giggle these days but try not to send anybody into an early in an early grave with a heart attack So, Naraj, every guest that comes on, I mean, you've got lots of experience and a wealth of stories that you can share about clients and how you've helped them. But really, you know, what I'm interested in, and I'm sure our listeners are interested in, is finding out a bit more about you and a conversation that has affected you personally in your life and business. So are you happy to share your pivotal moment with us? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's been so many. (laughs) How do you choose one? I mean, lockdown was a good one, I think, the first one in March 2020, because I'd just come out of a divorce. I've been married 21 years, been through a very painful divorce, not just financially, but emotionally as well. There was a big fallout because you don't just lose your partner, you lose your in-laws. And sadly, you lose your friends as well, which I hadn't expected. That was a big shock to me. So I came out of it really battling mental health problems. And in January and February 2020, my business just took off in such a big way. And I'm like, yes, I'm finally back on track. 2020 is going to be the best year of my life. <laughs> like, and then like March 2020. Yeah. Oh, God. And it was just horrible. Within 48 hours, I lost all my speaking slots at events. I lost all my LinkedIn training. I lost all my sales training. Everything went. And it was like, oh, God, no. And I think because I've lived or worked through two other recessions before, it put me in a good position where I can thought, okay, I've been through this before. 
Let's just stay calm. Let's not panic like everybody else seems to be doing. And let's make some smart decisions here. So I did the old Brian Tracy thing of getting a pen and paper, writing down top 20 things I can do. And the first 10 are always very easy, but the last 10 are really hard. Within six weeks, I'd rebuilt my business. And that was a big deal for me because I felt I was leading the way. And my second book, The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners, came out, went to number 17. The chart stayed there for two weeks. Bearing in mind, there was 500,000 books you're competing with. So that's a big deal. Then I launched a sales and well-being podcast, did 17 episodes of that. Then I have high-ticket masterclasses, which you know about every month, high-ticket masterclasses on sales and LinkedIn. I refuse to do free because people just don't value free. So I made them paid for. I got a lot of criticism from people who said, you shouldn't be doing such expensive masterclasses. I'm like, Everybody has an opinion, don't they? Everybody has an opinion, Wendy, and sadly, they all feel the need to express it. But it was great that I ended up the year launching my course, which I've been wanting to do for a long time. I just became overwhelmed with the platforms and the software and the automated systems. There's so much stuff out there. It's almost like going on a diet. How do you choose? You know, And because I'm a great believer in coaching, I get coached heavily myself. I invested more money in the last six months of 2020 than what I've invested in two years. I invested over £10,000 just on personal coaching, sales coaching, business coaching, because I expect clients to invest in me heavily. So I should be investing in myself. And by doing that, it meant I finished the year on top. It meant that now in 2021, when everybody's in lockdown, everybody was panicking. I'm like, why are you panicking for? We've been through this before. It's frustrating. It's very disappointing. Lockdown has been extended. But stop panicking. You know what to do. All the information is out there. Take good care of your mental health. Okay? That's the most important thing right now. Not your business, your mental health. Because your mental health and mindset is wrong. It doesn't really matter what you do in your business. And so for me, the big lessons learned over the last year was when bad things happen, don't make decisions when you're angry. Don't make decisions when you're under pressure. Turn your technology off. Get a pen and paper, write down solutions, then hire a sales coach, then hire a business coach, then talk to people who are smarter than you for advice, read good books. These are all the things you should be doing. If you do that, you're going to have way more success than other people who are just kind of panicking or doing nothing or just following the crowd. It leads me to a conversation that I was having about a book that's by Dr. Meisner. It's a really quick analogy. So you're in your room. And there's only one door and that door will only let people in. It's an Mm -hmm. entry door only. So when people come in, they can't leave. If you let everybody in, would you? Because I said, that sounds like my worst nightmare, letting everybody that I know in. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was like, well, if you can stick a doorman on. And I went, well, I'd rather have concierge. But if you could monitor and you were in control of who came into your room, you would choose better you would always choose wiser. You would surround yourself with the people that you want to be like or are on a level playing field with. And I think that's the same sort of situation, isn't it? It doesn't matter where you are. You can be really good at something. But then when you're learning something new for that growth, things go wrong. You need people that have been there before you in that new sort of phase of learning. A lot of people don't like asking for help or they, men especially have too much pride a lot of the time. And, you know, if you ask for help, there's nothing wrong with it. It's okay to ask for help. And you have to understand that even the most successful, brilliant people in the world all had help. So a great example is someone like Steve Jobs. People keep saying he's a genius. Yeah, he was a very smart man, but he had a business partner called Steve Wozniak who was brilliant. He got coached by 
Bill Campbell, his name is. He's known as a trillion-dollar coach because he coached the guys at Google. He coached Mark Zuckerberg. He coached Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs also had Jonathan Ive, the brilliant designer. He surrounded himself with brilliant people. That's one of the main reasons he was successful. And it's okay to do that. It's good to ask people for help who are smarter than you. I do it all the time. I have no shame whatsoever in saying, I don't understand this. How does it work? At the same time, a lot of people do not invest in themselves. And that's the thing that surprised me the most in the last year is the quality of sales is still terrible. I still get spammed relentlessly on LinkedIn Messenger. And these aren't by people in the Philippines or India. These are people in the UK and their job titles are not sales executive. Their job titles are MD. Their job titles are entrepreneur. And they tend to do things like Bitcoin or Forex trading, or I I help coaches grow to seven figures a year. (laughs) Those kinds of people. And I just think, God, have you ever read a book on personal development? Seriously, have you ever been to a Tony Robbins course? Because you've got to be investing yourself. Otherwise, you have no idea how much you're losing out in life. Twenty twenty one is upon us. I think we have lots to look forward to. We can still get out. We can still look after our mental health by getting back to close to nature. I think the other thing is that by being less physically connected, we're more socially connected through a lot of the technology. And I think it's about listening to our instincts a little more as well, isn't it? You know, reconnecting with what that gut feeling is, whether we're doing the right thing, the wrong thing, or it's something that drives us. Yes, I think it's very important to know you. And again, that comes back to reading good books. It comes back to being coached. To become, you know, when, when you read good books on personal development every day without fail, I started doing this in 2011. So I lost my job in the recession in 2010. And it really affected me quite badly. And I had a midlife crisis because I was very good at my job. (laughs) It wasn't like I was fired. No, I was very good at my job, but the company was making cuts. And I was devastated after almost six years of being a top performer. To suddenly lose my job is just, I think, a shock to my system. And I realized a very important, well, quite a few important lessons, Wendy, in life. It's not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. I reacted very badly to it. I was very angry. I walked around with a chip in my shoulder. So every time I'd go for a job interview, nobody would hire me because I was angry and had a chip in my shoulder. And the second thing is, you know, my father very kindly flew over from Northern Ireland in Belfast to England where I was living. And he had an intervention with my wife at the time and my daughter. And they said, look, you're suffering from depression. It's understandable. You've lost your job. You can't pay the bills. We get it. But you have to get help. And so I discovered personal development. I went to get help in the self-help section of WH Smith. And I, I arrived there. And it was full of middle-aged ladies and cardigans and sandals. And I felt quite embarrassed. And I ran back downstairs like a complete coward. And on the way, I came across this magazine called Success, How to Improve Your Life. It's a, it used to be a very popular magazine. And there was Tony Robbins and John Maxwell and Les Brown and Jim Rowan, all these masters talking about you're 100% responsible for your life. I'm like, really? I am? I can't blame the government. I can't blame my parents. You know, the key to living is giving. I'm like, seriously? And the more you learn, the more you earn. All of a sudden, I'm learning these things and all these light bulbs are popping off in my head going, what is this? And it was quite emotional to read. And I'm like, okay. And I went and spent about a hundred quid on books to better myself. That day changed me. And then all of a sudden, within two months, I'd landed my dream job. And that dream job meant I also got coaching. I went on management programs. I went on sales courses. I got mentored and I got coached. I mean, it was just incredible. And I had the next five years were the best five years of my life. Mm. by a mile nothing's ever come close and that was all because i invested myself 
And the yeah. best thing and the smartest thing you can do is invest in yourself. Don't look at it as a cost. Look at it as an investment. Well played to your dad for coming and ch- having that chat with you. Yeah, he's, he's a scary man. I wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> oh, Naraj, thank you so much for sharing. I think there's possibly more to this story, but we're out of time this morning. So if anybody listening wants to pick up the conversation with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Well, no matter how many times I say to people, go to everybodyworksinsales.com, my website, or go to salesmomentumacademy.com. They all keep going to LinkedIn and finding me. So just go to LinkedIn and find me. <laughs> you know, you'll find me at everybodyworksinsales.com. You can email me. It's not a problem. I don't mind. Just Google it. Keeps... You can choose. Yeah. Exactly. You know, salesmomentumacademy.com is brilliant. My YouTube channel, they all keep going to LinkedIn. So just go to LinkedIn and find me. It's so much easier. Oh. Really. <laughs> Naraj, well, thank you so much. Please do keep that subscribe going for making conversations count dot studio forward slash podcast. We've got some great guests coming up. If you've not listened to any of the earlier episodes since from today, please do. There's a great back catalogue that you can work your way through. Stick it on while you're working and hopefully that you'll get lots more inspiration. Thanks again, Naraj. On the next episode of Making Conversations Count. I do visualisation every single morning. It's part of my routine, visualising what I want to achieve. But I always visualise until I smile.